You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit hopekelowna.ca. Amen, amen. Let's pray together. And Father, we come to you and we praise your name and how holy we just desire, even out in these great outdoors and to hear voices lift up your praise and to declare these truths that holy are you, God. And even seeing some of those white clouds and the blue sky, and we see this beauty around us, and it reminds us that one day you will return, that one day you will return for your own. And God, that will be an amazing day, and we look forward to that, and we desire to hasten that day, even today, as we proclaim the gospel, as we proclaim life-changing, eternity-altering truth from your word today. And God, we pray and we worship and we thank you so much for sending your son to this earth to live, to die, to rise again, conquering sin and death. We have so much to be grateful for, so much to be thankful for. And oh, we complain and oh, we this, that, another thing. And God, just we repent of that. We say we are so sorry for that because you have provided all that we need all that we need in Jesus Christ. And then we have this country and we have so much that we can be so thankful for. And so God, even though there's brokenness and there's ruin all around us and, 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 and that we are so thankful that you are at work restoring, restoring one person at a time through the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And would you take every need that is here? And this is just how amazing you are because you can do it. Take every need represented here. And God, I pray that we would transfer that over to you and that we would trust you by faith and believe you for great and mighty things. We pray that you would bless your word as, as it is proclaimed here this morning. And all God's people said, amen. amen. In Jesus' name we pray that. And also, what do we do? Let's get going. All right, take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians 15 and 1 Corinthians 15, and, and actually our, um, the scripture is going to be on the screen today just to help you out a little bit. And, uh, and so I just want to say thank you to this team for all the work that they've done today, worship, the setup, the um, tech team, registration, everything, kids, kids ministry is going on right now, and we are just so thankful for all that God is doing, and, and it's all because of Jesus that we do this, and and, uh, and so this is a day of celebration. He is risen. Oh, you're lame. Yeah, it's lame. Like, come on, you know, like, I know it's cold. This will warm you up, you know, give it some girth. Come on. He is risen. Amen. That's, that's much better. There might be a surprise one every once in a while just to make sure you're still awake, you know, and so... And, and, and so here we are today gathered outside in just such a beautiful day, the nicest day of the weekend. And, and, and no matter how good and how great things at times can be, you oftentimes get left with that sense of there must be something more. You finish that book or that movie or that you binge watch that TV series and it comes to an end and you're like, oh, there must be something more. I hope there's a sequel. I hope there's more to it. Or you go to that awesome 80s music concert, right? And it's whether it's Trooper or Survivor or Journey or some of you, ACDC or whatever it is. And it's just like, oh, I just wish there was more. And, you know, I hope there's an encore of more and more of that wonderful music that helps shape society and movies even to this day. You know, or you eat that really good dessert and it just slides down so nice. And you're like, oh, I hope there's more of that. I hope there are more. There must be more of that. And you're finding yourself at the fridge in no time looking for more. 
Well, on that Good Friday, uh, 2,000 years ago, it left a lot of people feeling there must be more, but it wasn't in a good sense, and it was a wondering sense, it was a mournful sense, and, and it's just like, this story cannot end like this. And here was the crucifixion of Jesus Christ outside of the city of Jerusalem, that brutal, that barbaric form of capital punishment that the Romans had crafted into a fine art. Many thousands of people in that era had died that way at the hands of the Romans. But for Jesus of Nazareth, the punishment, it did not fit the crime at all whatsoever, for he had done nothing wrong. Yes, he did infuriate and, 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 and really upset the religious establishment of the day, but they needed to be upset and infuriated a little bit. He did nothing wrong. He exposed their pride and their hypocrisy and their greed. But he, Jesus Christ, he was nothing but kind and generous and loving to all people. And as he cried out on that Good Friday, it is finished while he was hanging there on the cross and he took his last breath. Any watching, wondering person then, and I trust even today, would, even be, would be thinking, there must be more. There must be more. As darkness in the middle of the day for three hours covered the land, and Jesus, as he hung on that cross, and then the earthquake shook the ground, it left any thinking or thoughtful person saying, there must be more. There must be something more to this. We are told that even hardened people, they're watching, they're at the crucifixion. You know how some people just like watching kind of the gore or different things on TV or on movies or whatever it is? True, true, true story. I like watching Pimple Popper. You know, like you just, you know, and then it gets on somehow, it gets on my Instagram feed where people are, pa and it's just like, I just can't, I have to watch more. You know, it's like, you're so sick. But I know some of you are like that too, right? No, we want out. This isn't confessional, so we'll just continue on with this. But here, even the hardened, hardest person who just was kind of that crucifixion observer and taking it all in left. We, we are told that people left that crucifixion scene. And what were they doing? They were pounding their chest, which was a Roman, sort of an ancient way, an Eastern symbol of sadness and distress. They left thinking, there must be more to this. Then, this is amazing, then the news started to come from Jerusalem, from within the city. First of all, that earthquake caused that massive, thickly woven veil, that curtain at the temple to be torn in two. And then, even more crazy than that, and more amazing, then the reports started to surface that people who had loved and served God, who had been dead, for many years even for some of them, all of a sudden came alive and were walking the streets of Jerusalem. Like how, how amazing is that? And no, it wasn't a prequel to the Waking Dead TV series. It wasn't that at all. It wasn't a zombie apocalypse. It was Christ giving us a preview of what will one day happen when he returns. When he comes again in power, he can and he will reassemble all the fragments of human existence, of DNA of his children, and bring it all together. And they will, then when he, he comes with a shout, the dead in Christ will rise. And we will see this happening. This will be a part of it if you are part of the family of God. This isn't a surprising or impossible when it comes to our God who created all things. He can do anything. He's creator. He's sustainer. Something about all of this would leave people wondering, there must be more. But after days 
A few days after the death of Jesus, those days were filled with confusion and fear and shattered hopes and dreams for his followers. His disciples, what what were they doing? They went into lockdown, didn't they? They went into lockdown and and it wasn't government mandated or because of fear of a virus. No, they went into lockdown because they were afraid that they were next to be crucified. The Romans, the religious leaders were coming after them next because they had been associated to Jesus. You think of those women early that morning before sunrise as they were headed to the tomb. They weren't going there for a sunrise service like like people will enjoy and celebrate these days. No, they weren't doing that. They weren't going there singing the song, Up from the grave he arose. No, they, they they weren't singing. They were going there out of sadness. It was a tragic day of mourning and confusion and loss for them. And you know, even for us here today, in the frustrations, in the fears, in the failures, in our disappointments, and the things that we've all been facing collectively, even over the last two years that has just added to that, it leaves a wondering, a questioning, a thinking person saying, there must be more. There must be more. Even even in the successes of life, in in living the good life, in living the Okanagan life, and, and, and we've got a pretty amazing life. I mean, it's the most popular place. People want to move here from all over Canada. And even in the success and in living the good life here, where there's affluence, where there's, where there's a focus on health and fitness, and, and, and when you have friends or popularity and, and, and you're making some great achievements, even in the midst of all of that, there is this gnawing sense in each one of us, there must be more. There must be something more, even in the midst of great success. And it looks like you have life. By, the, by, by, by just in, in full in, in control of it all. You put your head down on your pillow at night and you say, is this it? Is this it? There must be more. Or for anyone who has stood at the bedside or at a funeral or the graveside of a dearly departed loved one, whether that is in the last number of months or in the last year or even 15 or 20 years. You can't help but think when you're standing there, when you're thinking about that, you can't help but think there must be something more. And folks, there's good news that there is. There is something more. And in 1 Corinthians the Apostle Paul was writing to some pretty messed up people. These people were pretty confused. They were confused with a lot of misinformation that was going on in the day and a lot of false teaching. And Paul the Apostle is like, he's writing this letter to them to set them straight and to help them understand. And by the time he gets to chapter 15, he just gets like, he's just rolling up the sleeves and he's getting to it and he's saying, I'm going to give some real gospel clarity. I'm going to give some real clarity here. And I'm going to boil it down to what really matters. And he gives this clarity and he says, and here is the most important, it's the gospel. And you say, what's that? Well, it means good news. In, in actuality, it means great news. It's even better than good. It's great news. Here is the great news. It is the greatest news that a human being can hear and then receive personally into their own lives. In the gospel is where we find true answers that satisfy and make sense when it comes to life and death, and eternity. It's in the gospel. The great news is where we find peace and fulfillment to that inward longing that says there must be more. 
And in verse 3 of chapter 15, you can look in your Bibles or these words are going to be on the screen. I trust you'll be able to read them. Paul says, this is of first importance. This is number one. And here it is. Of first importance is this, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And the first truth that we need to consider here today, first of all, is Christ died. Christ died. We're just going to walk through this, this one verse in a, for a few moments here this morning. But the first thing we have to consider, Christ died. The birth, the life, the death, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ was not a once upon a time in a faraway land. It wasn't a myth. It wasn't a fairy tale. It was a historical fact. Do the research. It happened that at an actual place, at an actual time on this planet, God invaded humanity by sending His Son to this earth. I mean, even history identifies with this in, in how we, we date ourselves when it comes to His birth and His death are turning points in world history. We have B.C. and we have A.D. It all revolves around Jesus. And so Christ died. And we know that he died on a cross. We were remembering that on Good Friday. Death by crucifixion was perfected by the Romans. It was a slow and a painful way, a public punishing, a shaming of criminals and those who were considered insurrectionists. But Jesus was neither one of those. He died on the cross having done nothing wrong. And yet, it's that very fact that uniquely qualified him in an act of rescue, in an act of substitution. He died for our sins, as that verse continues to tell us. This is God in my place. The Bible says, and we were singing that a few moments ago, that our God is holy, and our sins, our wrongdoings, our immorality, our anger outbursts, our, our, our rebellion, our hurtful words, our lying, our cheating, these things can't be ignored. They catch up with you eventually. But they catch up with us ultimately with God. You just can't shove all of the bad and all of these things under the carpet and just try to ignore it and try to pound it down and try to make it all look nice and smooth. These are things that will hinder our relationship with others, but more importantly, they will affect and separate us in a relationship that we could have with God. They will separate us from Him. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 6, 23, that the wages of sin is death. Now, how many of you can remember your first job that you ever got a paycheck for? Yeah, pretty exciting. Some of you, you haven't raised your hand. You need to get to work. You maybe need to get a job, right? I remember my first job that I got for pay. Uh, I did a lot for that. It was on the farm. But then I got a job working for Sears, Cad Sears Canada in the catalog department, in the toy department. And, and minimum wage in Saskatchewan at that time was four twenty-five an hour. Oh yeah, and I was making five sixty-five. And I remember looking at that first paycheck and just thinking, "Oh yeah, baby, I've got it now." And then I couldn't figure out what all those deductions were about and why. Well, you know, I had already in my mind this this nice grand paycheck, and it sure wasn't that. Well, you work hard, you earn a wage. That's a wonderful thing. Well, our sin, the Bible tells us, our selfishness, our outbursts, our lies, they also pay us a wage. They pay us a wage, and that payment, that result, is separation from God. It's physical 
and spiritual death. This also means that living this life in this way means there's going to be an emptiness and an unfulfilledness in our lives. Even in the midst of the greatest success, even in the midst of great looks or great power or great money and resources, and, and, and it, there's an emptiness, this longing, this nagging feeling that there must be more. Yet God has come to us in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, and He offers to take all of our wanderings and all of our rebellion and all of the sin that separates us from God, knowing that our sin, though, must be dealt with. We're not just shoving it under the carpet and just going to keep pretending it's not there. And this is why Good Friday, this is why the cross was so important. And see, we have to understand biblical history in order to add some strength and significance to this. You see, for 1,500 years before the cross, God's people, when they sinned, and you can read about this in Leviticus chapter 4, they would bring a young goat or a young lamb without blemish. It was spotless. It was perfect. And they would bring it to the priest. They would take it to the temple. And there they would, the offender would put their hand on the head of that innocent, perfect, beautiful little animal. And in doing this, it was a picture of their sin being transferred onto that young animal. The guilty placed the guilty for the innocent, from the guilty to the innocent, and then its life would be taken, which was a sober picture, a serious, painful, costly reminder that our sin is an offense, our sin is costly, but it's a beautiful picture of transfer and substitution, and that's why Jesus came. So this wouldn't have to be done anymore. Jesus came as the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. The perfect, the innocent, without blemish, Son of God. It says He died once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring us to God. Jesus took upon Himself my sin, your sin, the punishment that we deserve, and it all went on Him. Transfer and substitution. He dies, I live. That's a pretty sweet exchange. Next, that verse tells us that he was buried. Why was he buried? And placed in a tomb? Because he was dead. Very simple. But then look, it says he was raised on the third day. This all according to the scripture. For hundreds of years, the prophets in the Old Testament were telling that this would happen. This was all done according to God's word. And he, was, he, he rose in victory on that Easter Sunday. The resurrection verifies that his death paid the full price of our sin. That God's justice had been satisfied in his son Jesus. And the resurrection, that's why we shout, that's why we make it a big deal, because it shouts to us that there is victory over sin and death. That we avoid the punishment. We avoid what we deserve and have coming towards us and it was all placed on Jesus. You see, let's face it, death, although you may doubt this, you need to understand though, death is not natural. It was not part of God's original plan. God's original plan was life and fellowship with Him and with one another. It was unity with Him and with one another. It was deep relationship with God and with one another. That was His plan. But because he gave a free will and he gave people the opportunity to decide, we see that sin and death broke into that. 
And because of that sinfulness that happened in the garden, death and brokenness has been the result. And so it is our sin and our pride and our selfish me- selfishness has messed it all up, thus resulting in physical death as well as spiritual death, separation from God. And let's face it, death runs rampant. I'm a dying man, speaking, looking at, even right now, dying people. The moment we are born, we are starting to die. And life is short. It is uncertain. And to act otherwise and to think we're invincible is folly. We must be aware that life is brief and there's so much uncertainty and there is only one answer to death and it is the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Death separates us from this world. Death separates us in such a way that See, he's sinning right now. He's breaking the... No, anyways, we'll just let him have that little fun there. And uh, right on. I think he was just needing to burn some carbon out. It probably was a Ford and wasn't acting properly or something. So, But when we die, when we take our last breath, our souls will not cease. Our souls will depart. And departing souls won't go into the next room. Departing souls won't become angels that will be guardian angels watching over us. Our souls will go to one of two places. This is all in God's Word. Our souls will go to heaven or they will go to hell. And it all boils down. The decision of where you will end up happens here on this earth. And it all boils down to what you have done with Jesus in regards to his life, his substitutionary death on the cross, and his resurrection. Do you believe this? Have you received the free gift of salvation? It's free. For they ask you, there is nothing you can do. As we said last Sunday, the only thing we contribute to the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ is our sin. (laughs) And some of you, you brought a lot of it to the table. We all have. And we receive this free gift. Have you received his forgiveness today? Our eternal fate, our final destination is determined here while we are still alive. Jesus declared in John chapter 11, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Listen to this. He says, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he says, do you believe this? as he's talking to his dear friends. And notice it says, whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. It's knowing this truth in our heads. It's knowing it, believing it by faith. But it's also a commitment with our heart that we make, with our life, with our emotions. It's knowing and understanding he's done this for me, but it's also declaring that he is my savior, that I believe this, that he is my hope. It is us saying, I'm all in. I believe in you, Jesus, in what you have done for me. I believe you died, you were buried, and you rose again, and this was for me. And out of gratitude and thankfulness and awe, I desire to commit my life to following you and your word and your truth. And the great thing is he doesn't leave us alone. 
He doesn't leave us to try to live for him in our own power and strength. When we make this decision to receive his gift of salvation, he then says, hey, I'm going to give you a part of me. I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you the strength and ability and understanding that you wouldn't have any other way. And you can believe and receive his life and his forgiveness, this victory over sin and death. You can receive this today if you never have. And quite honestly, until a person does this, life will not make sense. We sang this last song right before the message. I love the one, the couple lines in there where it says, an anthem I have always known, a song that's always been in me. You see, every one of us, take a look, I hope you can see this. I hope this picture turned out on the screen. Is it, is it visible? Okay. I, I, I believe this is just such a beautiful picture of how we have been hardwired for transcendence. It's in our DNA. And, and we're going to try to fill all these things in our heart. We're going to try to fill all the jam, all kinds of things into our life. And the only thing that's going to make our life truly complete and mighty and powerful is Jesus Christ. This cross-shaped hole is in every heart. Have you filled that hole in your heart with Jesus Christ? We'll fill it with so many different things, thinking it will do it, then there will always be emptiness. And that sense, there will always be more. This is the way we've been created. We've been created in this way by God. And so now back to that first Easter story, Jesus with his disciples who were in lockdown, feeling like total losers completely just failed him big time and they were full of fear and then all of a sudden Jesus shows up and what does he say to them you bunch of cowards you sissies you ran away from me I saw you I saw you I saw you don't you know yes I was on the cross but I saw everything that was going on and I saw the way you kept backing up and back where's Peter what that Peter did I can't believe what he did is that what he did when he showed up to see his disciples? No. He said one word and one word. It would have just melted their hearts. Because all of a sudden he is there with them in that room and he says, Shalom. He says, Peace. And he, he says this twice in his discourse with them. And this was more than just a greeting, but it was a declaration that no matter what has happened in the past, no matter what you have done, he's telling this to his disciples, he's telling to, that to us today, that because of what Jesus Christ has done, because of his death, burial, and resurrection, we can have shalom, we can have peace with God. The peace that he greets them with is the peace that he gives to pardoned sinners. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And, and Philippians chapter 4 says, and the peace of God will guard your heart, and I like the word that actually will garrison your heart, and your mind in Christ Jesus. The peace of God will do this. And just as Jesus on that first Easter came up behind Mary at the tomb, or when he met the two disciples who were out walking on the road to Emmaus, and he showed up to his hurting and confused, grieving disciples in that room, he comes to you and me today. He still seeks us out. He's seeking you out today. He seeks you out in love, not out of like, oh, I can't believe all that. No, he seeks us out with his peace, with his love and his grace. He's pursuing us today. The fact that you are here, that you're hearing this in person or joining us online, 
is a sign, is a beautiful picture. He is pursuing you today. And he offers you his peace, his presence, his love, his forgiveness. Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection is the decisive, the only answer to the chaos in our upside down and broken world. And he is the decisive answer to that longing feeling within our hearts, oh, there must be more. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads right now and uh, the band is going to come up on, back up on stage and we're going to worship. But just encourage you to be kind of looking down or having your eyes closed just as, just want to talk to you just kind of without the distraction of having to look around at things and just have a little talk with you and your heart. I wonder today, do you know his peace? Where do you need the peace of God in your life today? Is it over that concern of a family member? Where do you need his peace with everything, the turmoil going on in his world? What are you clinging to today? To money? To success? To friends? Where is your true hope today? Are you placing it in Jesus? The last two years have shown us clearly that hope can't be found in politics or science or economics. And speaking to you just even super personally now, I wonder today, does your worldview, does your philosophy allow you to sleep at night knowing that if you were to die in your sleep that heaven would be your home? Does your worldview, does your philosophy grant you forgiveness and cleansing for the guilt that you are carrying because of things you have said or done that maybe some people don't even know about and you feel so bad about it? Are you just ignoring or suppressing it or do you want to deal with it? God is not to be feared. Punishment and judgment has been dealt with in the sacrifice of of Jesus Christ and his love for us on the cross. Again, does your philosophy, your worldview, and you may even be a church-going person, is it giving you peace? Do you have peace in your heart today? I believe many of God's people don't. We're filled with anger and fear and bitterness and greed and addiction. And all of those are indicators to us that things are not right. And we need to make some adjustments in our life and in our heart. And Jesus Christ is the only remedy for that. Only Jesus can provide that peace and stability and confidence. Everything changed that first Easter for his disciples. And everything can change for you here today, no matter who you are. Skeptic, seeker, even long-time follower of Jesus Christ, but today you would admit, I've kind of lost my way. I've gotten my eyes on the focus of everything going on in this world, and I'm heading for the hills, or I'm doing this, or I'm planning that, and you're lacking God's peace. You need God to fill that empty hole, that hurt, that fear. You need brothers and sisters in Christ around you to pray for you and with you, to encourage you and to give you God's word at times when we can't figure it out in our own power and strength. Jesus Christ, his death, burial, resurrection is the answer to our longing hearts. Open up to him today.
So Jesus, even now I pray, would we open our hearts to you. Help each person here in a new way, in a deeper, in a greater way. For some, maybe it's the first time to know and to live and experience resurrection power. To simply say, I run to you, Jesus. I believe in you. Help me. And even if it's like some of his followers, Thomas, oh, help my unbelief. That there's times we won't believe and it's so hard. And yet, Jesus, you show yourself in such amazing ways to the seeking heart, to the longing heart, to the hurting heart. And so we thank you that today is a day of victory. Friday was a day of mourning, but your word says that joy comes in the morning and today we're celebrating. And we give you thanks beyond what words could ever describe because you arrested. You put an end to death. And because of that, you put death to death. And because of that, our true life begins. Eternity forevermore begins. And even as we sing this song in closing, we'll be doing that right away. There's a prayer tent to your right. And there's going to be some folks headed there right now. They're going to be headed there as we sing. And if you want to talk to them, perhaps about a relationship with Jesus Christ, or simply to have them pray with you because you are, you're lacking His peace and His power in your life. And they would love to be able to talk to you today. We have groups of people who will be there who will pray for you and with you. That's up at the front and that will be open right until we're taking everything down here. And so even as we're enjoying some coffee and refreshments, visiting, you can go to that prayer tent and they would love to be able to pray with you. And so God, help us to believe it and to receive it. Open our hearts to you today. We thank you that you rose in triumph, in victory, and you give us that triumph and victory through your son, Jesus Christ. We pray this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen.